I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Welcome back. We are in part two of anxiety, and I want to start off again by just reiterating what we talked about last time and having a little bit of a disclaimer here. So uh, last time we talked about how great God is, uh, that he is a good master that provides for us and we can trust him and he will take care of our needs. Um, That said, and I want to just say none of us are psychotherapists uh, and I I've even taught on this subject before, and afterward, people have come up to me and say, told me, hey, uh, you know, I struggle with anxiety. You didn't mean that uh, – what did you mean by this? You know, mm-hmm. like and, – and I had to apologize basically mm-hmm. for saying, oh, no, that's not what I meant. If, if you need to take meds, that's great. I, I, you should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Van, you we were talking off camera here about this. Do you want to uh, share yeah, some of your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it's important to realize that if you, when you think about anxiety, you should think about it on a spectrum. Uh, there's on the low end of that spectrum is sort of an everyday kind of anxiety. You're driving to work. There's a traffic jam. You're gonna be late. You've got a big meeting, a big presentation. That's sort of on the milder end. That's not that's not sort of a life debilitating kind of anxiety. That's a oh no, I'm going to be late for work. That's a kind of daily experience. Or oh, the kids are out of milk. There's no milk for the cereal. Or you know, the, these are the milder things. And then on the other end of that spectrum is the debilitating kind of anxiety disorder where you feel almost paralyzed you feel frozen in place you can't you can't do anything because you're so wrought with anxiety we're not talking when you're when you're closer to that far and that anxiety disorder thing you need to get help um and that help might be psychotherapy, it might be medication, it might be a combination of those things. Um, what we're talking about here is the stuff that's on sort of the first half of that spectrum, mm-hmm. the, the, the anxiety, the sort of day-to-day anxiety, the ones that, uh, that distract us from our relationship with God and make us start to go in ways that we shouldn't go, and if undealt with, could lead to that higher yep level of anxiety. It's important to to think of it in that way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we definitely, if you are struggling with crippling anxiety, please get help. And uh, uh, we're we're grateful to now keep looking at at Jesus's words because they do make a difference. Uh, But if you're not able to hear them because you're so anxious, please, please get help. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you. So let's get back to this. Would you like to read? Start at the top again? Yeah. All right. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, 
what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more important, more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns, and and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you. All right, in some of our previous episodes, we were talking about treasuring earthly treasure, and I made a point about I made a point about the wordplay there, and how treasure is used both as a verb and as a noun, like quit treasuring earthly treasure. Um, but there's also this sense that it does mean store up, and we we know that for sure because we can see how Jesus is using it when he's teaching us about the birds. How does looking at birds help us not be anxious? <laughs> I mean, what do birds teach us about our attitude toward earthly treasure? So. As I was thinking about this, one of the things that is fun with birds uh, is that they are always singing. Hmm. (laughs) They are singing uh, far more than it seems like they would need to. Especially Um, early in the morning. Especially early in the morning. (laughs) Um, But there's there's a freedom. There's a freedom with birds. Um, There's a effortlessness that they convey. And I think that's one of the the pictures that Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, gives us that he, they're, um, you know, he, he wants us to look up to, to see, you know, the, the freedom that they have um, flying in the air. And then that's, there's not this like worry that's dragging them down. Wow. Right. Um, You're soaring. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, that's that's what worry often does for me. It's like an anchor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's you know being able to notice that God provides for these creatures, and they can do that living their life, you know, flying around and singing. <laughs> like, mm. okay, well, maybe God will provide for me and I don't have to live my whole life, you know, hanging my head and mm-hmm. all uptight. Yeah, they're also always eating. Yeah. Birds are, they're always, they're looking for food. Um, you know, not that I'm a, what is, what's a bird person? Is that an ornithologist? ornithologist. I'm not one of those. But um, I have recently moved from the city to the country, so I get to sit on my porch and listen to and watch birds a lot. And they're always scavenging in my lawn for seeds or insects or whatever they eat. Uh, the food is plentiful for them. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, always, they're always striving to get it, but not in the way that I strive. 
Their mm. striving is different from mine. And I, I love what you said, Tim, about them always singing. Uh, and I equate that to being someone whose mindset is praising God mm. and being thankful to God for um, for everything, being thankful for God for the fact that I can watch birds and learn from birds. Um, they, the, the birds are resourceful and God provides for them. And they're, you know, we have a, I bought a springtime wreath to go on my front door uh, for Easter time. And uh, the birds have come and taken, there was little, there were little pieces of hay stuck in the wreath. <laughs> and the birds have taken all of the hay out of the wreath. I, I caught them one morning when I was going to work. They fly down, they grab the hay, and they take it to make their nests. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the birds are the birds are working. They are working. They're always working to to provide for themselves, to provide for their offspring. But they do it in a way that seems stress free from a human perspective. Yeah. And always singing, always seem to be they're just kind of delightful they're delightful animals and um you know i and if i could somehow adopt that in my day and be more pleasant as i go through the day it would i think reduce some of the anxiety that i can feel during the day yeah i love what you're saying uh both of you about um equating the singing with gratitude i that is something i I was I had not thought about the looking up the birds are soaring they're fr- it's uh it's a beautiful image. Well so what I was going to I I I do I love what you guys are saying about how they're uh carefree and they just kind of go about and they look for food and they they get it and they find it and they manage and they they've learned how to how and where to find food. Um I have an or I think it's an oriole that loves whatever's in my yard whatever dead grass is in my yard. Um, I also had a couple ducks that wanted to sit in my pool, and we had to manage that. Um, my son was disappointed they haven't come back, but that's okay. Um, I, I, one of the things I think about here is the audience, and I think that there's a, a certain element in this audience where having enough food to eat mm-hmm. probably didn't feel guaranteed to a lot of the people mm-hmm. listening to this. Um and I, it's easy in America where, you know, if we don't have food, we can go buy more food. Mm. We can either walk or drive to the grocery store, buy more food, buy everything we need and a lot of things we don't mm-hmm. with minimal effort. Um, I think a lot of these people, I would imagine them going, gee, I, I don't necessarily see – like you. they didn't have the same kind of grocery store system we did. They had to – actually work for their food. And so mm-hmm. this was very this was in an era where maybe not necessarily in this region of the world, but where famine and starvation mm-hmm. was very much on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um it, it was not a an unheard of thing. And so I would imagine to most of his audience the idea that I'll have enough to meet my needs didn't actually feel like a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it didn't feel as certain as it is. Like I'm never gonna run out of food living in 21st century America, I hope, mm-hmm. unless something changes drastically. But I think for these people, there it was a, it was on the table that I might not have enough to be able to provide for all my daily needs. Right. 
And Jesus is trying to refocus them from going from being stressed out about that. And I really appreciate what Van said on the front end that it gets that can be very stressful. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a being in poverty and not knowing where your next meal is coming from, which thankfully is a situation I've never personally been in. But if mm-hmm. I've heard people who have talk about it, it is a stress and anxiety inducing existence. Yep. And it it feels to me like Jesus is trying to get them to reframe it and reframe that God is going to provide what you need, even if you can't necessarily see it. Mm. And in a similar way to the manna and the bread. I was hoping you'd bring that up. I was, I was, I was. He's going to do it. I bet he is. I bet he is. And you, you strung it out to the very end. That was very good. I, I agree. Uh, yeah, th- this is like the manna, and it's uh, th- to me, it feels like he. Well, first of all, he's making an argument from a lesser to a greater, right? Like if he's going to take, he's actually saying God is providing for the bird. God feeds the birds, mm-hmm. these little creatures. And they're carefree. I love that we were talking about how grateful they can be. Uh, but if God's going to take care of the little birds, aren't you worth more than those things? And uh, so I, I think it's uh, what he's also doing, which we've talked about a few times now, is getting us to point back to God's character mm-hmm. and to trust him and build our faith in God, that mm-hmm. he will provide for us. Um so he's if he's going to take care of all those minor details in the life of birds, mm-hmm. <laughs> providing for them, you know, there he's going to take care of us, so we don't have to be anxious. Um, the next argument that he makes is in the form of a question. Jesus asks, "Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life?" There. There are plenty of studies out there that suggest worrying doesn't add time to your life. Rather, it subtracts time from your life. Mm-hmm. What's the argument Jesus is making here that helps us not be anxious? This is this is a this was a challenging question for me, and I think that um, I think that what I thought about is time, hmm. as far as the time of how much time I have in my life. That's something that is an unknown quantity. And because again, I I kind of hate that it is, but money is always the thing that my mind goes back to. I imagined a scenario where I have a certain amount of money. So I work and um, I get a paycheck every month. I know exactly how much that paycheck is going to be. And so I can plan for that. But I imagined a scenario where, what if I worked and got pay, but never knew how much pay they were going to give me? And did not have a way of even recording, not knowing, not having a relationship with my bank and not knowing how much money was in the bank at any given time. I would know that I have money some amount of it to spend on the things that I want and the things that I need, but eventually there won't be any more. And that's what the time of my life is like. Hmm. And so if I think about time as something that is limited and that uh, one day I'm going to run out of, then 
I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to use it in a different way. And so if I'm worrying about if I'm worrying about my life all the time, if I'm worrying about um, how am I going to get to a place where I'm going to be happy? This is something when I was a younger man that I worried about all the time. And it prevented me from being content or joyful or happy in the moment. And I, 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 I lost my happiness by worrying about my happiness does that does that make sense this is oh, yeah. this was really strange to me yeah. it was like so i'm sitting here concerned about what's going to happen to my life what's going to happen when i'm all alone that's sometimes something that i think about i would think god i hope i die before all the people i love die so i won't be all alone and I, I, what will happen to me when i'm all alone what will happen to me and i end up spending hours sitting in my room worrying about being all alone when my family and friends are right there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a waste of time, huh? It's a waste of time. It just makes you miserable. Exactly. I I have a funny anecdote I wrote down here that's a little similar to that. I was Uh talking at the Memorial Day parade in town. I was talking to one of my buddies in the town I live in about our kids riding bikes and his daughter about two years older than mine. His son is about a year older than mine. Mm-hmm. And he was saying it took his daughter a long time to learn to ride a bike. And the reason it took her a long time was she was afraid that she would fall off the bike, get a scrape, oh. need a Band-Aid, and that it would hurt to pull the Band-Aid off. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just looking at each other and we were like, yeah, that sounds like a kid worry. And which one of the parents did you get that level of anxiety from and how and 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 that's going to be unpacked in therapy when you're a little bit older and you know we'll we'll help you with that but i i i do think about there are so many worries that his daughter she had this worry that was she was anxious about it. She was like, oh, no, and, and about this thing that hasn't even happened yet. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it kept her from ri- learning to ride a bike. Wow. It was somewhat irrational, but not inconceivable. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. It was, pl- it was very plausible, <laughs> right. but it was also not guaranteed to happen. Yeah. And it prevented her from even trying for a while, and That's she's so since funny. learned. Right. I, I've seen that in my own life. I'm yeah. seeing it now play out in my kids. Uh uh, I have one kid who's like, I'm just going to hop in and try it and we'll see what happens. And the other one who's very cautious. And so uh-huh. learning to skate has been like, he still looks like a robot on ice because he's going super slow. Mm-hmm. The other one, um, you know, fell down a few times, mm-hmm. but like zips around now. Uh, yeah. And uh, I won't say which of uh, us, my wife or I, is the super cautious. It's mm-hmm. me. It's, it's, <laughs> it might be me. Uh, I wonder. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so this is a, obviously a rhetorical question, mm-hmm. but I've had a long struggle with it over the years because I've always thought, well, I can add an hour to my life. I mean, if I like live <laughs> in a healthy way and I do the right things, right. then like my life expectancy will go up. But that's the thing. It's like life expectancy. Like You're it's right. like a statistical probability uh-huh. and it's not an actual guarantee. Um, so... You know, this whole section is in this context of the we can only serve one master. Mm -hmm. God is our master. And 
I think Jesus is is making the point of well, understand your abilities and your limitations, mm-hmm. and understand God's abilities without limitations, and recognize okay, you can maybe you can control some things, but you can't control everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Leave that in the hand of the person who can control it, yeah. who is your master, who you mm-hmm. are serving, who is going to take care of you. Yeah, I, I would also add with the worrying adding hours to your life. What generally when I'm worrying about things, I'm not actually addressing them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've mentioned my wife and I's financial situation is challenging right now. And I'm kind of tapped out in terms of how far I can go in my career. And that's part of the reason I chose to go back to grad school, because I actually, even though grad school is going to be a lot of time, it's going to be some energy, I'm probably going to sleep a little bit less. Um, when we worry about things, we don't address the things. Yeah, mm-hmm. We don't actually spend any time with God trying to figure out, okay, how can, how does this actually get addressed? Because some of the things we worry about, we do have to allow that some of them are very real. Mm-hmm. Um, I know if you, have, if you have health challenges or you have a family member with health challenges, I mm-hmm. have some with my dad, I worry about how my mom is going to be able to handle mm-hmm. my dad going forward. It's not, it, it's, I just worry about it because mm-hmm. it's not guaranteed and it's hard. But all the time worrying means I don't actually address the things that we can do right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both to improve my dad's health and to prepare my mom to be able to care for him better going forward. Jim, that is, that is so helpful to think about caution and worry and the fact that when you're worrying for me when i'm worrying i'm not doing anything else except worrying and that that caution is good and caution is we're all related we're we all are related to some ancestor who was cautious i i in a book that i read about anxiety i read about you know there were two guys living in a cave and outside the cave was a big field and in the field was a lion and they both knew the lion was there. And one guy said, to get water, I'm going around the field to get uh-huh. water. It's twice as long, but I avoid the lion. That's the guy who was cautious. The guy who was not cautious said, I'm just going straight through the field. Probably won't see the lion. Well, the lion eventually got that guy. <laughs> and so we're all related to the guy who went around. So it's, it's in our DNA to be cautious. But the the human condition <laughs> <laughs> produces in us this this uh desire to always want more mm-hmm. and to always be preparing for more and when we can't get more um it, it produces worry mm. and it, it just it's it's helpful to me to hear you say you know when i worry i'm not doing anything yeah um because I- my my natural mode is worry yeah. I could relate to what both of you were saying. I think for me, this question comes down to what's within my control and what's outside of it. It reminded me a little bit of the, the thing Jesus was saying about you can't make a hair white or black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, you know, we talked about how they probably had hair dye then, and, but the truth would come out. Here it goes. It's still gray underneath. Uh, and, and so many things I worry about are outside of my control. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I, I have ulcerative colitis and they don't know exactly, 
uh, it's multifactorial. Uh, they, do, they don't know exactly what causes it, but one of the main factors is stress. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have stressed out about things so much that I have, uh, I, I remember a particularly stressful point in life. And that's, well, just a little bit after that was when I had a ma- massive flare up and was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So there's like stress, uh, Worry can can uh, lead to uh, shortened life. Mm-hmm. It can it can mess you up. It does no good. It's a waste of time. But I like what you're saying too, Jim. About it, uh, we become unproductive because I think in other times of my life I've I've procrastinated too. Because mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that's insurmountable. I don't think I can ever. Uh, there's no, I don't know what I can do. Uh, I'm going to go watch TV now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to have a movie marathon. That feels good. But then mm-hmm. the stress is still there when, <laughs> when right. I'm done with that and uh, haven't really done anything. Well, I, and, and I was going to just on what you said, like, and I've unpacked this in therapy. I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But like what I talked about taking steps to address some of the shortcomings in my own life my therapist was like, so how do you feel when you do that? Like, mm. she was like, you know, you're applying to grad schools. How do you feel when you're applying? And I actually, I said, I actually feel good mm-hmm. when I'm doing that because I see this potential issue. And instead of just having anxiety, just having anxiety about it, I'm actually taking steps to address it. Mm-hmm. And I think, and and I don't want to hear, I don't want anyone who's listening to this to hear this and go, I got to do a million things to address. Like mm-hmm. I got to work my way out of the anxiety. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. That's not what any of us are saying. But the more we sit around, we just sit in our worry, the less time we actually do things that could help mm-hmm. our worry, whether it's if we're anxious about our fin- our financial situation. Well, if I sit around worrying, I'm not coming up mm-hmm. with a way to improve it. Or if we're anxious, for those of us that are parents in here um, of varying ages, Van's kids are Mm -hmm. grown-ish, and Matt's kids are older than mine. But if I'm anxious and worried about my kids, and I'm just sitting there being anxious, that's time I could spend with them. That's Mm -hmm. time I could engage with them. That's time I can train them to be who God designed them to be instead of being worried about it. I like what you were saying, too, about... Um, taking this, addressing things with God, because I think Mm -hmm. that's where the real power comes from. And I think Mm -hmm. this gets back to the issue of faith that we were discussing and trusting God in all of this. Um, Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Jacob wrestling with the angel, right? Mm -hmm. And and then facing some pretty difficult things. And I I think uh, you're right. It might feel tough, to uh, to go through something, but if you're doing it with God, you can trust that He will carry you through. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that too. So we've we've covered a lot here. <laughs> we've gotten through a couple questions. Um, I love what we were the this this description of birds being so carefree, singing, grateful to God, uh, and how God is is so concerned with all the details of their lives. He's even more concerned about our details and that we don't need to worry. We can instead go to him. So we're going to come back to this topic in another podcast. And thank you very much. 